0: wanted to change uh, these girls, and, and the boys for that matter as well, their perspective on their career choices. What's my role in society? What can I do except publishing papers? More than anything else, I'm a scientist. So I'm a little bit like the people that have developed the vaccines for COVID, for example.
1: the purpose behind scientific research? What are its concrete and practical applications, its benefit for individuals and for society? If you consider the example that Tom had just mentioned, one about researchers' role in the development of a vaccine, the answers to these questions are evident. The results from research in medicine are indeed very tangible. The stakes involved, very crucial even, saving lives. But if I talk to you about research in management and entrepreneurship, like that of which are produced by Thomas Esterbro. the response to those very same questions is less obvious, and the stakes, perhaps less important, you would say. In this new episode of Tomorrow Is Our Business, you will discover how a research paper produced in a business school plays a role in transforming the lives of people on the other side of the planet. You will learn how it contributes to individual accomplishment, and even further, to social development. Thomas Estebro is Professor and Researcher in Entrepreneurship at HEC Paris. From Ecuador to the Silicon Valley to the French Public Employment Agency, he guides us on the path from imparting knowledge and research to creating an impact. You're listening to Tomorrow is Our Business, Season 1, Engagement. Tom is a leading reference in the academic sphere. Know this. His research in entrepreneurship makes him one of the top 1% of the most downloaded authors in major social science journals. Impressive, isn't it? Yet, this information tells you little about who Tom really is. In a few minutes, Tom will tell us about a project that defines him truly, an educational one that he carried out in Ecuador. But, before we get right down to the details, we first asked him, How on earth did a professor from a world-renowned business school who rubs elbows with the best researchers in his discipline and who teaches MBA students, how did this professor end up in the middle of the Ecuadorian jungle, standing before high school students, aiming to extract them from their social determinism?
0: The motivation for me was pretty clear. Um, I'm getting older. I've done a lot of really technical analysis, statistical type of, of work, and uh, this, had, uh, this project had a flavor of you know, being able to have a much bigger impact if it would be successful. We don't know yet. I was thinking about 10 years ago I, that I should shift a little bit the focus of what I'm doing. I'm still 100% dedicated to studying entrepreneurship. This is something that I've been doing ever since I started uh, being a professor and even before that. I have also been an entrepreneur myself. Uh, I've been involved in starting four companies. And so I have a practical experience from this and also you know, theoretical and teaching experience. And this is a subject that I, I love and I love teaching and I love doing research about. But I just thought that I could do it a little bit different that would maybe have a bigger impact on the economy than just uh, writing papers.
1: So we have the answer to the why to the purpose behind what drives Tom as a professor. Now let's go back to the jungles and cities of Ecuador to know more about this educational project called Showing Life Opportunities.
0: So it started a couple of years ago. Uh, These projects always take a long time. So maybe five years ago, I met an old friend at a conference. His name is Guido Binsdorf, and he's at University of Castle. And he had a, a, a PhD student and a, a postdoc. The PhD student is uh, Francisco Flores, who is from Ecuador, and uh, Igor Asanov from uh, Russia. And they uh, started talking to me about wanting to do an experiment. And this is basically an experiment that's done live on people out in the field. They came to me and said, oh, we have this contact with the Ministry of Education in Ecuador. Ecuador is a country that is not doing so great with respect to their high-tech sector. They don't seem to be able to uh, produce a lot of people for that uh, industry, so it's not developing very well. Ecuador is mainly dependent on its agricultural uh, resources And it's a middle-income kind of country, so uh, there are some wealthy people there, but there's also a lot of poor people. And once we started talking to the Ministry of Education, it became clear that one of the major reasons for why there wasn't a lot of people going on uh, and becoming engineers, scientists, and so forth that could start these um, high-tech companies is because very few uh, females uh, chose to study STEM science, technology, engineering, and, and math in the university. So it's a misallocation of resources. They have lots of talented women, of course, uh, and, and these are high school students. They stay at home after they finish school, even though they could have gone to university. They have really good grades. Uh, they stay home at the f- a family farm and, and pick avocados instead, or they become a housewife or work in the services. And, and, and this is a, a misallocation of resources it's not good for them and it's not good for Ecuador and so this was the starting point of this project and we got together a group of people uh, I was joined by Matisse Schulte who's a psychologist in, in HSC uh, Mona Mensman, who's a young researcher also a psychologist at uh, Warwick Business School and then uh, uh, Bruno Crepon uh, from Ecole Polytechnique and David McKenzie who's the lead economist at the World Bank And so it's a fairly large team, and and you need this to run these RCTs, as they're called, randomized controlled trials. And um, the basic setup of the design is that we wanted to teach these high school students to be able to make a decision to go to university and not be tied down at uh, their old family farm or their old family business. Uh, or whatever their parents want them to do, um, which is often very short-sighted. I mean, they say, okay, you know, you finish high school now, you have to go back and work because we have avocados to pick. Um, and, and it's necessary because we need to make some money. But the long-run effect uh, of this choice is, you know, for them to become poor or, or, or not develop that much. And if they go to university, which is free in Ecuador... They could have gotten a a STEM job or they could have started a company and and maybe in the long run made a lot more money and probably be happier as well.
2: Ecuador, as most of the countries in Latin America, suffer from a strong inequality.
1: Francisco Flores is an Ecuadorian PhD student at the University of Kassel in Germany and is one of the academics who designed this project. He also happens to be the point person who supervised the entire implementation of the project on the field. He shares with us what showing life opportunities represents as a solution to confront the challenges facing his home country.
2: This is critical because although uh, Latin America is not a broken society, getting knowledge and the skills to improve in the society is very complicated, particularly to uh, people in disadvantaged positions. And in this sense, a project that put put together such as reputable figures is not common, particularly with this intervention targeting the truly disadvantage. And it should be uh, uh, normal, but unfortunately right now it is not the case. And I, I will say that that's why the Minister of Education, which is our strategic partner, is grateful and supportive for what we are doing right now in Ecuador.
1: Access to knowledge is a focal point of the project, yet... Once this barrier is removed from the equation, what knowledge and which skills should be imparted to these students in order to open new opportunities other than those linked to their current economic and social conditions? How to motivate them to further their learning and to go on to pursue higher education?
0: So how do you make uh, these kids more interested in uh, going to the university and studying STEM? So we, we figured we had at least two uh, things that we could try to influence. One is their ability to take initiative, being more outgoing, uh, have foresight, be able to adapt very quickly and so forth uh, when there's challenges. And the other thing that we thought that we needed to train them on was negotiation skills. And this is something that Mati's train our MBA and, and master students in, in HSE on, and it's one of the most popular courses that we offer. The idea here is that once you're in a situation where you're thinking about going to the university and your mom and dad tells you, yes, that's great, you know, but you know, we need you at the family farm, you should be able to negotiate with them. And, and so we said, okay, we need to, for them to be having the right arguments in that negotiation with their, with their parents, so we should train them in how to run a negotiations properly or we have rolled it out to now 900 schools. So it's much, much bigger experiment now. It's all across Ecuador. Before it was in just two education zones. Um, and uh, it's a long-term study because we, we need to see what happens with respect to their choices to university to see what the real impact will be.
1: During our interview with Francisco, he told us about his first meeting with Tom, a meeting of circumstance while reviewing academic literature on entrepreneurship. A study on the incentive for individuals to become entrepreneurs shows evidence that most entrepreneurs in developed countries earn less than similar wage-earning employees. It was indeed that research published by Tom that propelled the project creators to call upon his expertise to better define the educational content of the project.
0: We had a big discussion about this in our group. If we just try to encourage them to become entrepreneurs, period, that would be pretty easy uh, because that's one of the major professions in Ecuador.
2: Here was very critical what we learned from Thomas, that only promoting entrepreneurship might not be enough for students because we know that Potentially, if students only learn entrepreneurship and go to the uh, labor market, they might end up earning less returns than if they were regular workers, particularly if they go for necessity-driven entrepreneurship, which is the uh, normality there in Ecuador.
0: And so encouraging people to, to become entrepreneurs of that kind is the wrong encouragement. It's the absolutely wrong thing to do. Uh, And so we said, okay, and and the Ministry of Education was of the exact same opinion. We need to have a high-tech sector. They have to go to university. This is one of the goals of the project. I mean, not only that the students will go to
2: STEM careers, but to um, motivate them to uh, go to the university. Because particularly in zone two, we have seen that there is a low rate of students applying for university and you know that every piece of evidence suggests that one additional year of education will give you better options when you are in the labor market particularly in your incomes and this can be life-changing when you are trying to in 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 the future because you can uh, improve your life conditions
1: Encouraging young people to pursue the education is crucial, especially for young girls. Tom and Francisco explain why the gender equality dimension of the project is critical to its impact.
0: So it's a very long causal change, if you will. You know, first you have to get them to accept, their parents to accept that, no, I'm not going to stay at home at the farm. Then they go to university. University is free, so that's a good thing. It takes them four years. They have to study science and technology, okay, Some of those subjects are not subjects that girls, for various reasons, study normally. And this has to do with gender stereotypes. And this is a a big uh, issue. And we really wanted to break, as much as we could, these gender stereotypes. And that was why we had these role model videos with uh, female scientists to try to get the girls to actually, in greater proportions, go and study these types of subjects. See, this is the most crucial part of the whole... Uh, projects to get girls to be interested in science and technology. What we see
2: from preliminary information is that the project was particularly helpful for women, for girls. And we are extremely happy hearing that because, as you know, uh, unfortunately, girls are a vulnerable population in Ecuador, even though they are more than 50% of the population, but they still uh, vulnerable population there, so supporting them it's really really fantastic, terrific <laughs> for for us, especially for me. Uh, I hope that in the future I'm able to keep doing more for my country and particularly for students because I truly believe that education is a key tool to improving um, the life condition of people
1: When you hear both Francisco and Tom you understand how strong their personal involvement was. Tom himself traveled several times to Ecuador to be present alongside teachers and meeting high school students during the rollout of the program. He gives us his feedback of this field experience.
0: Uh, It's been uh, uh, enormously fun and gratifying. Uh, We've been to Ecuador, the whole team, uh, some of us several months. Uh, You have to be there for a long time to get this thing to work. At one point in time... We had 30 people from the ministry working for us, uh, working on the implementation. Uh, there's a lot of people involved. So it's a, it's a mega project of a size that I never worked on before. Usually you just a few uh, researchers and maybe a research assistant or a PhD or something like this. Th- this is of a completely different scale. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to see how it would be to run a, a randomized control trial. And... Um, You know, it worked out great. Uh, Everyone is uh, the ministry, all the high school uh, principals. uh, It's been a fantastic reception.
1: Now listen to the enthusiasm of the Ecuadorian teachers and students, whose personal experience of the program is captured in this video produced by the Ministry of Education in Ecuador. As a teacher, this project has allowed me to highlight new ways of teaching, for instance, how to develop different types of content via an online educational platform Thanks to this project, I have a better understanding of possible entrepreneurial ventures in the future. Show life opportunities, benefits is one of us to become autonomous, independent, and able to develop a business in an orderly
2: manner.
1: It has been a spectacular success because in their animation videos, I could get new ideas, new knowledge, to be able to start my own business, small or large, in a not-too-distant
2: future.
1: As Tom had told us, this project in Ecuador is long-term. And one that would require several years before yielding results of profound cultural transformation. Yet, despite this fact, its potential impact on youth and the economy has already aroused the interest of other countries.
0: The initial results are encouraging. And so other people have learned about this. Now we were asked by officials in Peru to do the same thing in Peru. And we actually had to say no. Uh, because we didn't have the manpower to to run uh, a similar type of experiment in Peru. Uh, But maybe next year we'll be able to do it. Um, It is very intense and we're uh, focusing uh, all our efforts to try to finish up this thing in, in Ecuador. If this thing works, the next step is to scale this up and provide it worldwide.
1: Wow, a project born from research papers and the collaboration of academics that could change the lives of young people all over the world. Isn't this what it means to be engaged and to have positive impact?
0: I'm mostly a scientist. More than anything else, I'm a scientist. So I'm a little bit like the people that have developed the vaccines for COVID, for example. I mean, I'm glad... That if my work uh, gets to have a big impact in Ecuador. Uh, but I'm not sure that it will. At this point, uh, I can't say for sure. I'm hoping that it will affect uh, a lot of uh, young women uh, in studying uh, STEM in the future. But I'm fairly realistic in that whatever I do, I will have a small impact on society. Uh, you know, I'm not like Bill Gates or one of those people that can have a large impact. I am just a professor at a business school. I try to do what I think is important at this point in my career. And I try to have an impact, uh, but I'm a little bit of a realist and and acknowledging that that impact might not be very big in the end. It was a very personal decision. I just thought that this is something that... I, and it, it took me some time to get to this point that... And and, and some self-introspection, you know, what's my role in society? What can I do except publishing papers? Uh, Where can I have an impact? And, And as I told you in the beginning, you know, this thing about Ecuador, they came to me. It wasn't like I sought them out. But when they came to me, it was like, okay, all the things are aligned here. This is what I'm going to do and I jumped right into it. I, I said, of course, you know, this is, this is a great project. And now, you know, things are rolling on and, and um, there's more and more projects of this kind. But, you know, I can't say that it was really a grand plan. Uh, I don't believe very much in those things, actually. I believed in uh, that there's a lot of small things that happen to you that you don't have control over. <laughs> and, and that's how world, uh, the world and, and, uh, and your life develops.
1: So Tom is not the kind of person who will tell you that he's going to change the world. He's far too modest for that. But the Showing Life Opportunities Project in Ecuador may well be a groundbreaking one in education. There is no big plan, he said. His approach is much simpler. To do what he loves, what he's passionate about, what he feels is important. This is why his engagement is so authentic and also so eclectic. And that is how he went from Ecuador to the fast-paced world of entrepreneurship with tech-based companies in search of the next great invention of the energy of the future. Let's hear him talk about his commitment to climate action.
0: The Creative Destruction Lab is a branch of a, of a worldwide law organization that was started uh, initially eight years ago at the University of Toronto by a good friend of mine, Ajay Agarwal. Um, and uh, just uh, briefly, the Creative Destruction Lab, you try to accelerate uh, science-based startups. Okay, So it's, again, it's uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and uh, these uh, science-based startups are not uh, developed by our MBA students. But the MBA students in our program help these science-based startups as much as they can to get accelerated. And in, in Paris, in, in CDL Paris, we have decided to focus exclusively on, on startups that are trying to do something with respect to the climate. So it's all about climate change. Trying to carbon sequestration. Uh, you know, we even have a project that's trying to develop a, a new fusion reactor. So if they're successful, you know, we're all good. <laughs> we have unlimited amount of energy for free, basically, if 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 they're successful. And so that's a very interesting project. I joined that um, because. I want to work with this organization because it is a very good organization that is accelerating science-based startups. But in particular, I wanted us to focus on climate change uh, because I'm very concerned about our kids. Uh, my my kids are 14 and 12. Um, if we don't do anything uh, drastic soon about um, climate change, and in particular carbon dioxide releases, uh, we're going to be cooking ourselves. We are cooking ourselves. Um, uh, Average temperatures are going up and too too little is done about it. And so that made me uh, push for for us uh, focusing on on accelerating climate change projects. I believe that um, politicians have been very late in reacting Uh, And uh, I don't see uh, that even the most recent discussions that are happening in the European Parliament and uh, with uh, what's being proposed by Macron, uh, Merkel and uh, Joe Biden is is near enough. And a lot of different countries are not doing anything. Uh, And so I think it's up to ourselves to do something. And so this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to promote the the creation of uh, companies that come up with new technology to solve these problems that we have created for ourselves.
1: How does this engagement translate into his teaching? Tom explains how he tries to bring his MBA students to be professionally involved in social causes such as the fight against climate change.
0: So yes, I talk to uh, my students here in France as much as I can uh, about... um, social entrepreneurship and and how to run that. And our MBA students actually have a little bit of a difficulty understanding why we're interested in climate change. Not, not all of them. Some of them are really, really interested and have selected to join the program to learn about how to do consulting for these uh, climate change uh, startups because they're interested in climate change. But some of the other MBA students, I think, are you know, not that interested in climate change, to be honest. And I'm trying to affect them as, as much as I can. Let you know, they come here to change careers, uh, most of them. They are typically, 70 percent, I think, are M- uh, of our MBAs are engineers. And what they've decided to do is they, ha- they want to stop doing engineering. That's, that's why they're coming to us, I should say. And they want to become managers of some kind or do something else, marketing, finance, whatever. Um, and, and during the two years that they're they here, they're sort of in a search mode a little bit about what, who am I, what am I going to do with myself, and how am I important in the world. And some of them find social causes, Uh, during their stay here at at Ashesi. And I'm trying to, you know, get a a somewhat larger fraction of that to be interested in, in social costs.
1: Access to education and climate change are issues that matter for Tom. But there is yet another one that he chooses to tackle. That of unemployment as not only an economic problem, but especially a social one. This issue takes place in France, and gave life to a new project with the National Public Employment Agency. This initiative is like the one in Ecuador, inspired by the discoveries from scientific research.
0: Active CREA is a program that is run by Pôle Emploi, which is the Public Employment Service of France, and I'm going to keep referring to it as Pôle Emploi. And, And this is a retraining program for people that are unemployed, and uh, might uh, want to start their own business. So they've gotten laid off for some reason, and they might not uh, want to take a job, or they might be unable to get a job easily uh, because of various uh, discriminations in, in the labor market and so forth. Recent immigrants or, or whatnot that uh, might not easily get a job. So emploi offers this uh, uh, training program in entrepreneurship, and it's a basic entrepreneurship training program. They learn about accounting, marketing, operations, and so forth. I should step back and and, and now make a comparison of that type of training with the type of training that we offered in Ecuador, uh, in particular the personal initiative training. So there's been a study in Togo, uh, uh, a very successful study that showed that if you train people on basic entrepreneurial skills like this and you compare that training with being trained on taking personal initiative, uh, basic entrepreneurial skills training have no effect whatsoever on the success of the people that got the training uh, in Togo. and Whereas those that got the personal initiative training uh, their profits and their sales increased by, I think, something between 10 to 15% compared to those that got business training. This was published in Science a couple of years ago. David McKenzie and Mona Menswin uh, were co-authors. and uh, There's about 10 co-authors on that paper. And this is the reason for why Mona and David are actually part of our team. We said, this is fantastic. Can we do this? In France, can we train unemployed people not in business skills but in taking personal initiative? And why wouldn't this work? Because when we think about it, you know, what is preventing people from starting a company? Maybe you don't have money, okay, but maybe you don't have the skills in accounting, but maybe the first roadblock is that you just don't dare. You don't take the initiative. We asked Mona and David, okay, you have to come and work with us. And they work with us, of course, in, in the Ecuador case. But here, it's even more important that we, um, we try to get these uh, unemployed to... And it's not about getting confident. Uh, they might be very confident in themselves. But it's about like waking up in the morning and doing the things that make your business tick. And so that's what we're going to do. It's within this program, Active Korea, we're going to create a separate branch of the training. We're going to compare it to the standard business skills training. And we're going to ask people to join. And they'll be, uh, since we're in COVID situation now, they'll be taking the course online from their home.
1: Listening to Tom gives us a different take on entrepreneurship. No? It is not something that is reserved uniquely for those who are already privileged and young business school students with an assured promise of a future, or even for those who already have a financial capital. So what exactly does it take to be an entrepreneur?
0: It's more about skills and ability, but also about passion and motivation. And so it's both psychology, it's both skills and in some cases, it's about money. But money never comes first because nobody gets money if they don't have the other things. If you're looking for somebody who's going to finance you, a bank, um, a business angel, your mom, whoever, and you come and you show up and you show no interest and no passion in, in the business that you're, you want to develop, you're not going to get any money. Because they don't, they're do not they not going to believe you. They're not going to believe that you're going to be able to do that. So you have to have that first. And then maybe, uh, you know, if money is necessary, you'll be able to find it.
1: If you're still wondering why Tom is engaged in these various subjects with so many different groups of people, here is a simple answer.
0: For me, this um, social entrepreneurial interest uh, or social impact, it changed a little bit 10 years ago. It's still about entrepreneurship. I, I wouldn't be able to do this type of impact without studying entrepreneurship because this is what I know. This is what I've trained for since I got my PhD back in 1994. So it's it's been a while. Um, and, and so for me, it's it's a natural progression of of being able to give back to society what society has given me in terms of the training that I got. Uh, the investment that the society made in me, my, my advisors back from from Carnegie Mellon and all the other professors that I've engaged with that have taught me, helped me write papers and so forth. Um, and I, I, I just thought that, you know, I could do more than just writing papers. I'm also trying to write a book now, but it's actually not about social entrepreneurship, but it's about uh, prediction algorithms, a completely different topic. Uh, but something I'm also uh, quite heavily engaged in. So I do a lot of different things. And and as I said, uh, you know, at some point I said, you know, I've been involved in entrepreneurship myself. So being sort of an academic jack-of-all-trades, if you will, it's not something that's difficult for me. It's something that I do on a day-to-day business. I like to do a lot of different things. It might have caused my career to take a couple of different turns to the left and to the right sometimes, Uh, But this is something that I've enjoyed and I'm going to continue to enjoy uh, as long as I I keep working.
1: This podcast was brought to you by HEC Paris Business School. Tune in to all the episodes of Tomorrow Is Our Business on your favourite podcast platforms or find them on our website, hec.edu.